Hi, and welcome to the Fleet Navigator podcast from Lease Plant, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. I'm joined once again by Andy Rayner. Afternoon, Andy. Afternoon, Matt. And today we are discussing electric vehicles. Not just the vehicles, we're going to talk about charging developments, we're going to talk about technological developments and innovation, public access charging, EV grants, whole life costs, and, and, and most important now, why it's now time to start looking to make a change in your fleets. Excellent. So I think, really, I think if we roll back 12, 18 months uh, ago when the government made its uh, quite earth-shattering statement that by 2040 there were no more going to be internal combustion engine sales, I think everybody kind of took a breath and thought, well, how are we going to get there? The noise was around infrastructure, around power generation, how are we going to have enough charge points? The range of these vehicles is simply not enough. And if we think that in the last two weeks, we've seen the UK launch or the announcement of launch of of Tesla 3, which addresses this kind of mid-sector space. We talked a little about it in our WLTP podcast, I think. And it's a very important vehicle because if you think up until now, we've kind of had the Nissan Leafs of this world. If you can get one as well, a Hyundai Kona, or right at the very, very far end, you've got the likes of e-tron, you've got Tesla S and you've got iPace. There's nothing really in that mid-sector space addresses that 5 Series, 3 Series. And that with the event of the dramatic reduction in company car tax that's coming next year, watch out for the finance bill, no guarantees, but as it stands at the moment, uh, electric vehicles will be 2% company car tax next year. These vehicles are now making a lot of sense in context of the new testing regime. And that vehicle's performance mode will have about 320 miles and its base model will have about 250 miles. So these vehicles are with us now and they're available. Yeah, and I think when I deliver this stuff in the training room to, you know, to a largely receptive audience i think you know mindset is incredibly important around this debate i think if you ask some people you say electric vehicle there are still people that think you get nine miles on a full charge charging up as a 12 hour overnight you're you're getting your extension lead and plug it into uh, next door's downstairs toilet window and that's just not where we are this idea of range anxiety still looms large Uh, it's a real thing but we're also looking at a point where are we really waiting till we see a charging point on every street corner before we're going to start having conversations about this when 80% of all charging currently uh, is done at home? Because that vehicle has enough charge and battery life to sustain your needs throughout the day. You know, when we look at, at what van operators are thinking, we, we, we have this thought that a courier, you know, travels down from Glasgow to London every day to deliver your goods. Of course they don't. You know, these large, the Amazons, the, the DPDs, they have these logistics hubs on the outskirts of cities. The, the big trucks bring the goods in, the little trucks go in, and then you have this term that will be the big buzzword over the next sort of year, year and a half, last mile delivery, yeah. where the, yeah. these little vans are pinging in to make these deliveries. You know, you talked about the 2040 stats, uh, which, again, 21 years from now, everything to effectively be zero emission. Let's look at the other target they set, which is in only 11 years' time, that they would say at least 50%, maybe as as, as many as 70% of new car sales to be ultra-low emission, and up to 40% of new van sales to be ultra-low emission. That's not long. So when's this going to happen? So there's a it's a very you know nuanced picture that doesn't just say okay we're going to move to a different drivetrain or a different powertrain. It's a, a number of other things that we've got to kind of get our heads around. So hopefully this podcast is going to pose some of these questions and and also bring some insight to um, to to the listeners as to yeah it's it's worth a listen. It's worth a look. Um, it's worth an inquire. Well, let's hope so, because otherwise it's just you and me having a chat. And that we do and frequently. That in and of its own <laughs> self is, is not a problem. 
<laughs> I mean, I think going back to the vehicles, I mean, we've mentioned Tesla. We should mention that this is the start of the introduction of a number of these classifications of vehicles. If we look forward into 2020, we're looking towards Volvo XC40. We're looking at Mercedes E-Class and C-Class, both of which have got e pure electric models yeah. due in 2020. BMW 3 Series, 5 Series later, again, 2020 signposted. Now, we don't have huge amounts of information on these vehicles yet. The manufacturers tend to play it quite close to their chest. You would expect those vehicles all to be upward of 250 miles. Yeah. You'd expect them to be circa 45, 50,000 pounds. So they're not cheap chunks of metal still. No. So thinking about some of the things we've talked about previously as whole life cost, etc. If you look at them from a rental perspective only, EVs still look expensive. Still seems higher. You have to look at the whole life cost. And I've been encouraging people for many years in my conversations to move to a whole life cost policy, including leasing disallowances, including Class 1A national insurance contributions. It's the only way that these vehicles will make sense. And they do make sense. Yeah. And we are going to start seeing these vehicles come into the UK market space more and more readily with higher charging capability we have really decent home charging grants still and there isn't a cap on those at the yeah. moment so up up to 500 pounds yeah. for your for your charge point yeah. which means that a charge master home charge point so charge masters our business partner is 499 installed yeah and when you think that you can have that as part of a lease option on the vehicle, it just makes perfect sense. No, absolutely, yeah. And I think, well, I, I certainly know that Charge Master and those other uh, other similar, yeah. they'll do the paperwork for you. They so, do. So actually, they'll they'll have that money ready. So taking all the sort of kind of faff and nonsense out of it. But these are, you know, these are great things to know because these will be things that you'll be coming up against. You know, I don't know anyone who hasn't test driven a, a plug-in hybrid or electric vehicles and say, wow. But then the other stuff starts creeping in. Okay, but what's it going to be like charging it in the rain overnight? What time's it going to be? You know, what's it going to be out and about? Where can I get these things charged? So actually, to know that there's some support out there financially, where you put a you know purpose-built charger on the side of your house, they'll do a site survey to make sure you can have it put in there, rather like going to get a satellite dish on your on your roof. So before you know anything more, yep, yeah, is it possible mm -hmm. for doing that? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of new house builders are already putting those electric spurs in there as, as a matter of course. So these are the sort of things that we don't see. I think that for me, one of the big news is around certainly charging infrastructure was the purchase of, of ChargeMaster by BP. Yeah. You know, that says something. Clear signpost. Yeah, when you've got someone whose business model is fossil fuels, suddenly saying, well, hang on a minute, we're going to invest in a charging infrastructure company and looking at what sort of business investment that will bring. When you look at, I think we reached in the UK in January, our 20,000th public charging point in the UK, where there'll be loads of people saying, oh, I don't see them about, where are they? There's a great resource, it's called zap-map.com. Zap yeah. If you go there, and again, if you're having any conversation, you're looking at parts of your business in certain areas, put in your location, it'll tell you in a, a sort of fenced area uh, what charging points you would have available in your area. And again, I think charging times as well. You know, you talked about Tesla. I know they, they did some testing on a, a liquid-cooled charging cable that they actually designed some years ago, but they retested it, and they got up to 1,000 miles in an hour of charge. You know, that's, yeah, that, that's doable. And there are, let's be honest, Tesla are out there as a business. And I think the reality is, and, and it's important to recognise, particularly with public access charging, is that there's this perception that, well, I'm, you know, if I'm on a 200-mile journey, I'm going to have to stop for three hours to charge my car. And the reality is, is that actually the last 20, that it's, it's almost that 80-20 rule, the last 20% charge to charge to 100% takes the most amount of time. Yeah. If you ever notice with your phone how it charges very, very quickly and then it starts to slow and slow and slow, exactly the same with the vehicle. And actually the behaviour says, 
more than likely you will stop and certainly in the future you will be able to stop for 10-15 minutes and yeah. charge the 30% well the new rapids the new rapid charges that BP are rolling out this year so the 150 kilowatt ones so that you might have seen them they're put, starting to pop up on BP4 yep. courts yeah, yeah. Uh, I know there's a hub just off junction 13 in the M1 that they look like petrol pumps you know but that in itself is you know if everything anything was over engineered but again it's again our, our psyche we need it to look like fuel going in i'm sure the count the gauge will go you know always oh, charging um but they're getting 100 miles in 10 minutes yeah so that's do- doable you go into one of these hub spots you know you go in you grab a coffee pie obviously no, no. <laughs> and 20 minutes later you've got 200 miles Child. And let's not forget, if we echo back to our last podcast about health and safety and duty of care, working time directive says you have to stop for 10 minutes for sure. every two hours anyway. Yeah, no one does. So, you're all, so assuming that you're already doing that, yeah. then is it, you know, by wit of man that if I'm on the way home from the office, for example, I can pull in a memory, I can charge the car for 10 minutes, get myself a Pepsi and a, and, and a bag of crisps. Yeah. Other, other soft drinks are available. Indeed. Indeed. And so I think with the range anxiety, and there's, there's a great quote that's out there at the moment, that range anxiety is only a problem for those that don't drive an EV. <laughs> and I think it's very true. Yeah. What surveys find, and, and you know we've got to be careful with statistics, obviously, but what surveys find is that once people are in an EV and they're used to it, and they take that little bit of an extra time to you know maybe check if there's a charge point available where they're going, yeah. or certainly use the Zap map, and, and there are other apps available, and that the key bit about that is it isn't just a, a charging location. It actually tells you whether it's A, operable, and B, in use. In use yeah, and as we get closer and closer to a joined-up public access network, so we're unusual, again, in the UK, yeah. that we've got two main players in the country that have public access networks. Yeah. The largest being? Charge, or Polar Plus, the yeah, Polar Network, which right. is Charge Masters. Yeah. And, you know, when they start looking to join up and from October last year, any new public access charge point had to take contactless as well as any private subscription. Well, wow. we're going to start seeing more and more access. We've mentioned BP and Chargemaster. We should also mention Shell and New Motion. Yeah. So they were purchased most recently as well. So Shell four courts have, have gone with New Motion. And there is this commitment now that through the travel corridors, so think motorways when we say travel corridors, there will be more and more charging capability made available for companies to take advantage and fit charge points because infrastructure is a really important yeah and and the visit i think it's not only infrastructure it's the visibility of that you know i think tesco announced this year um they're going to put 2400 points across their supermarkets and these will be the rapid charges so that's i think 33 miles in 10 minutes so you're thinking of a 40 minute shop you've suddenly got again another 100 miles on your battery charge but you're going to need to want they will start showing up in prime locations so yeah so when they start putting these charging points in in supermarkets and in motorway service stops and and everything else you're going to start seeing them in primary locations so that's going to yeah encourage you oh hang on a minute it's the rain i get to park closer and again i think the important thing is is that you talk to mobile phones what we see in battery technology with that we have to understand so i know for example bmw the technology is there to have a mobile charging so we will get to a point where we won't be even talking about a cable. You know, there'll be a plate underneath your tarmac on your driveway or in parking spaces publicly. You drive over it, park up, boom, light's gone, your, your car is charging. Would it be beyond the wit of man like you can do at the moment? One of the mobile phone companies where you've got a fully charged phone, my battery's dying and I can nick a bit of your charge. So, you know, it'd be great if I pull alongside the, the lights next to your vehicle and say, you got any charge? You know, here we go. We link up and, you know, and that's it. All this technology is being shared and it's moving at such a pace that 
you know, year on year, the exponential costs of things like batteries and production of that and the, the usability of batteries, how long they'll last for. And and again, there are there are other issues around that. We all we all know those in terms of, you know, lithium, in terms of disposal of batteries, recycling of batteries. But you know, you talk again of the Tesla Model Three. You know, they're testing these vehicles now for a million miles, yep. battery and vehicle. You know, I, like you, I've been in this industry for years and years. There's not a car on the on the streets that's been <laughs> been tested for a million miles. You know, so it's an exciting landscape, and it's far nearer than we think. And I think if we're not having a conversation about it, I don't want to get to a point where people, when they're satisfied that we're ready, is the time to start talking about it because they'll find themselves in three years' time going right now. Electric vehicles, talk to me, and they'll be behind the curve. Yeah. Plus, they'll have been paying through taxation and a number of other things more than they needed to. Huge amounts. I mean, to put it in stark contrast, at the moment, even an electric vehicle will, will pay 16% benefit in kind. It yeah. drops to 2% next year. So that's a thousand pound BIC, pretty, yeah. pretty much that a, that a that's driver benefit in kind benefit for the, kind. the acronym. Um, or taxable value. You know, a driver's going to pay 400 quid, a, 400 quid a, a year in taxation. And the class 1A NICs that, you know, national insurance contributions that attach to that. So long as nothing happens in the finance bill, yeah. the vehicles make sense from a tax point of view. From a fuel perspective, now it should be mentioned that electric isn't classed as a fuel by HMRC. And actually there's an approved energy rate as a, as a reclaim rate rather than an AFR or an approved right. fuel rate. That approved energy rate is 4p. Actually, when you look at the most expensive tariffs in the UK for home charge and office charge, it's about 3.8, 3.9p. So it's there or thereabouts. Yeah. So from a business mileage reclaim perspective, there's no bandwidth for making any money and, and nor should there be, but there's adequate reclaim out there. I think reflecting on what you said at the start, we've talked a lot about public access charging and, and the rollout thereof, but 80% is done at home and in, and yeah. in the office. Yeah. And as ranges get more and more and more, 250 miles is now going to be the norm. If you look at Hyundai Kona, that's got a 325-mile yeah, range. I think the Mercedes EQC that's come out this month. That's a lovely month, yeah. car. That's 279-mile range. I mean, if you, if guys, guys and girls, if, if you want to go and look at a sexy looking car, the EQC is absolutely lovely yeah. as a four by four. And, you know, there are others out there, obviously, but it is. But you're getting to that range territory that I think are. is going to satisfy, you know, you're talking about, you know, vehicles with a 250 upward range and then with a charging capability of 100 miles every 10 minutes. It's doable. You know, anyone in a GLC <laughs> that's getting more than 250 miles to a tank of fuel. Um, I doubt that much. Yeah, give me a ring. Let's wait and see what their WLTP data says. Eh? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I think we look at the pace. I mean, if you look at, you know, some interesting stats on the, the, just the last five years. So from 2013 to 2018. Mm-hmm. So we started 2013, 6,000 EVs on UK streets. By the turn of this year, we hit our 200,000th. Yeah. So that's gone from one in 750, 150 um, new cars to one in 50. The prediction... And is that plugins as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, so EV, the term, is basically a catch-all term for anything that can take a charge externally. So within that, you will then have a BEV, battery electric vehicle. So that's, think, golf cart, you yeah. know. So literally the powertrain is battery, motor, wheels. Then you have the plug-in, and that would be sort of kind of your Zoe, your Leaf, your iPace. Then you've got your plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. So that'd be your Prius or your... Not sure Jaguar or Relish you call in there. I base a golf cart, but you know. Yeah, for sure. A plush golf cart. So th- that's basically... So a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. So that would be battery, motor, wheels. Yep. Battery runs out. Engine, but engine drives the wheels. And that's why there's been this, not controversy, but this focus on zero emission range. Because once that battery runs out and the engine kicks in, you are in an internal combustion engine. And then you have the E-Rev or the REX, so the range extension. So that is battery, motor, wheels. 
battery runs out. Now, interestingly, the engine kicks in, but it's powering the motor. So the drivetrain still remains electric. So actually, yes, you've got a combustion engine sort of firing up, but it's not driving the wheels. So it's far more uh, efficient in that way. Yeah. But in the next five years, they'll predict a million EVs on the streets, and that'll be so one in 10 new cars. That's five years' time. So if you've not had a discussion yet or a thought yet, where have you been? Mm. Where have you been indeed? Absolutely right. So I think we've covered quite a lot for one podcast. We've looked at the infrastructure piece. We've looked into some of the starters, looking into some of the vehicles. I think we should probably end there, but next time we'll look more at the vehicles, yeah, more about the rounded piece. Grant funding. And I think, yeah, the wider global piece, you know, yeah. it's about attaching that why to it, you know. Absolutely. So I think, guys, you know, as always, any questions, if you want to go to insights.leaseplan.co.uk, there's a web form there. You can land on the Navigator page. There's plenty of information, plenty of insights on there. And uh, we'll see you next time. All the best.